Thank you for joining us. I'm Stephanie Whiting from iMethods. I am happy to welcome today um, to our podcast, Julian Ammons, Director of IT Digital Cloud Development Operations at Baptist Health in Jacksonville, Florida. Baptist has more than 200 primary care and specialty physician practices, children's specialty clinics, home health care, behavioral health, occupational health, rehabilitation services, and urgent care. In addition, five and soon to be six hospitals located across Northeast Florida. It's a flagship client of iMethods and a great partner of ours for many years. And we're so excited to have you with us today, Julian. Hi, Stephanie. Thanks for having me. Uh, I really do appreciate the opportunity and the invite. Thank you. Well, you um, know that this podcast is about bringing people together to share best practices in healthcare IT. And as sort of as part of that, uh, you recently joined us at our Healthcare Education Summit in Jacksonville to share what you're doing at Baptist to drive efficiencies and output by moving some of the product development in-house for certain applications. Uh, that's a pretty big change in scope of responsibility for traditional health systems IT department. As a former product manager myself, I completely understand what a big lift that is to try to integrate that into an organization. Can you tell me what shift took place to drive the move to building an internal development team? So I'll I'll tell you, um, it was really a leadership change. Um, And uh, we brought in another CIO, Aaron Meary, and he really had Mm -hmm. a different outlook on the way we would be we would be tackling the work in front of us. And so it was that shift that really led to bringing more of that development in-house. Traditionally, we had you know contracted out outside or we may have had a couple of vendors that came in to develop some very targeted products for us. We really came in and Aaron said, hey, let's see how much of this we can take on and what we can do. And fortunately, he asked me to partner with him and lead that effort. And I have had a blast ever since that day. Well, that's great. That that was clear during your presentation at the summit. So talk to me a little bit about what kind of um, work was done prior to consolidating this effort. So I imagine earlier in the in the process, it was pretty siloed. Have you been able to consolidate the product development effort in a way that makes things more efficient and sort of effective for the organization? So I would say siloed is, is a really a really good term to use in, in the way we were handling work back then. So a lot of our development, what we did at an early stage, we decided that all of our development in-house was going to take place within SharePoint. And we said, that's where we're going to do it because you know that's what end users want to see. Um, it created kind of those walls inside of the group, like you said, some silos. Um, and the work was very long running. You have something that would a request would come in in February and, you know, we would work to get it done over the course of the year. It, we were taking a very waterfall approach to development. Um, it, it was also rather single threaded. You'd have a team of maybe, I don't know, 10 people. And inside of that team of 10 people, you had maybe four or five different teams. So you really didn't have a lot of shared resourcing that was happening. Everyone was very targeted in everything that they did from a development perspective, at least. Right. And that's hard because you're pulling from the same pool of resources to try to get multiple things done. And, and it is a challenge to to prioritize and manage tasks when you've got a limited number of folks working on 20 things. So you spoke about the waterfall methodology. So are you using a more agile methodology going forward? And um, because you have effectively every employee of the health system as uh, serving now as a customer of yours, how do you juggle the demands of so many now clients um, as part of your role? 
that was one of the reasons that we decided to go with a more agile approach. Um, when I came to the health system back in 2019, um, I actually came as an architect and I was working on the integration space. In um, when we took over that space there, we, we decided we were going to try to go semi-agile. So we built some processes in there that would allow for a little bit more flexibility with development of integration, at least. We took that process and brought it over to the DevOps department. And this was a department that was ripe and ready to go agile, but because everyone around them wasn't, they were kind of hesitant about doing it. So we said, hey, let's go full scale agile and we'll bring everyone else along with us. That's really been working for us fairly well with the the methodology we're using now. Like you said, we have an, the entire hospital is our customer, right? Mm-hmm. So we have to be able to produce products at a pace that can keep up with the needs of our team members. We're not going to be able to do that with a waterfall methodology, at least not in development. So agile was the way we had to go. So now we're producing more products rapidly and, and, We've seen some value generation, but hopefully we'll see it continue to grow over the over the coming months. So you talked about the need to um, restructure your team and, and mo- modify the methodology you're using. And you talked about having an organization full of clients now. Um, so both of those require a pretty big cultural change. I imagine it's both, you know, organizational uh, across the health system for they know where to go to get stuff done and where to ask and what, what to expect in terms of prioritization and output. And then with internally to your team, you've got a, a pretty big cultural shift to change the mindset of being reactive and maybe looking to a more proactive approach to rolling out new functionality. Would that be a fair assessment? It would be. Um, and that, that cultural shift is one of those things that that's really difficult within any organization. If you're talking of changing the culture, because, you know, culture is something that's ingrained. But um, mm-hmm. this, the benefit of, of being the, the son of a preacher, my dad mm-hmm. pastored a church for, my goodness, my entire life. And one of the big things he taught us was loving your neighbor as you love yourself is one of the things that you have to be able to encompass. And that's how we look at the culture change. As we look The question is, if it was me sitting in that chair making a request, what would I want to happen? How do I want to see that transition occur? So as we began to look at those processes and procedures that we had in place, that was the mindset that we took. Easier for me because I actually have my my wife is a nurse on the floor. So it was really easy for me to sit in her in her seat and walk in her shoes because she reminded me every day when she came home what she did and did not like. So for us, that's kind of the mindset we took and said, hey, if if we don't want it done to us or if we don't want to have difficulty with the things that we do during the day, how can we make our end users days better by applying those same concepts to what we give back to them? So how do you gather requirements from your end user? So if you choose a, a particular um, initiative to work on, if it's a, a workflow change or, or an app or something, where do you... Um, incorporate the voice of your customers? How do you get their input to drive your requirements? That is where conversations, collaborations, and communication come into play. Um, I think one of the things that, that Baptist traditionally, we haven't, we haven't neglected to do so. We've always listened to our end users. But in this case, because the development is something that's going to be uh, directly impacting them, we wanted to not only get their feedback, but we wanted their ideas. So that collaboration is the first thing that we do. It's a conversation with them. We try to make, we, we really do try to avoid getting it electronically via email or anything like that. We want to have that conversation with them and bring out those ideas. Cause as you talk, more things are going to come out. So you 
for instance, a, a nurse on the floor may say, hey, I, I'd like an app to do X, Y, Z. And she can email that in or he or she can. And then what happens comes in, we look at it, we do it. But if we have a conversation and we tell them about what we can and can't do and how we can make these things happen, ideas may flow in and they're like, man, it'd be nice if it could do X or if it could do Z or maybe A, B and C as well. And those conversations become so valuable to the generation of value from their perspective. Oh, absolutely. So if you take it a step further, there's the user acceptance testing and the versioning, right? So version one might require, might incorporate their initial initial pass requirements, they start playing with it, they start testing it. They're like, oh, wait, I have some other ideas. Let's try some more stuff. So how do you manage that iteration of releases for any given project? That is where setting expectations comes into play. When we, we get in, we want to make sure that they know we're not ignoring what you're telling us. We know that we these this additional functionality would be amazing to put in here. But in order to meet the needs of your original request, we want to make sure that we get you we get you what you initially asked for. And at the end of that, then we'll come back and add these enhancements. And then we let them know the initial release is date X. We're going to come back and add these enhancements. Here's where they are on the roadmap so that they have a fully transparent view of, of the plans and the, the future engagement for their, their specific application. And taking in those ideas and getting that, that's part of getting that buy-in. You know, that's, that's always the challenge, right? Is, is managing expectation, not just setting them, but holding yourselves and your stakeholders to them. So if you've got five or six projects in flight and you're trying to manage different versions of different things, you know, making that roadmap transparent to the organization, maybe not just for their project, but for all of the projects. Do you present that to a committee or do you have an opportunity to commit to leader, uh, present to leadership on sort of where various things are so that those expectations can be reinforced top down? That is the long-term goal. What we've done up to this point, we've just been kind of ad hoc Mm -hmm. broadcasting and saying, hey, here's the roadmap. This is what we're planning on doing. But we want to formalize that process where I I serve on our senior leadership team inside of IS. That's part of the conversation that I'll have with SLT. Hey, guys, this is what we're working on right now. Here's everything we have aligned. Ultimately, we want to set up a, a process where if there is a shift that needs to occur, like let's say we're, we've got our roadmap for the next six to eight months and something comes in and we have to make a shift, we want to make it where we have to make this shift. Who in this roadmap can we talk to that would, would not mind being pushed a little bit further down? So that goes back to transparency, goes back to collaboration and buy-in. We have to have that buy-in from our customer base and they have to be able to trust that when we say we're going to move it, we're going to we're going to meet the deadline that we set for them and and make sure that we deliver on our promises. Well, it sounds like you're putting together a really um, solid set of processes. And it is it is a big sea change to move an organization from buying everything to building some of it and um, incorporating ideas and managing expectations and formalizing it. So it sounds like you're really taking a very um, careful and intentional rollout of not only the the products themselves, but also the concept of product development, right? Because it's, you're, you're changing the culture from the inside out and not only getting your team comfortable with managing the demands and the rollout and the changes to the roadmap and those sorts of things, but also in educating the organization um, about what you're doing, because, you know, it's all new to them as well. Yeah. And you're, you're absolutely right. Um, We, Traditionally, we were very project-based, and we went in and said, we're going to project start to finish. We're going to finish that project and move on. But the problem with that is when you finish that project, the tendency is to want to move on to the next. The change in focus from project to product 
that's been a culture shift within the team and they are now adjusting to it. And, and I, th- I think they're starting to see the benefit. They're like, Hey, you know, we, we got this product done. We're ready to rock. I said, but are you? And they're like, well, you know, the end user did ask for X, Y, and Z. So I'm like, yeah, we got to go back and give it to them. Let's keep that product moving. This is a, a, a dynamic thing. It's going to continue to grow, continue to change. And we have to be able to support it. That's really cool. Um, have you had to like bring any outside product people or were you able to um, grow your own team from within or with your existing resources to, to make the shift? Have you just remodeled their roles to focus more on product versus project? Or have you had the opportunity to, to bring in some outside expertise as well? So it's a little bit of both. We did have some people that we just shifted their focus because like I said, back in my integration days, we were moving in this direction. So what we had, we had began to... <laughs> I don't want to say we Jedi mind trick people, but we we had them follow the process without calling it agile. So they're accustomed to the process, but they didn't know exactly the intricate details of what they were doing. So then um, as the team began to grow and we built it um, from a product management perspective, we brought in a couple of product owners that had some experience. We had a, a very, very good um, manager from an agile perspective who she's just amazing and she grasped the concept. So by bringing them in and then people started working and they're like, wait a minute, this is what I've been doing all along. I didn't, I didn't know this is what a product owner did. I was like, absolutely. You've been doing the work, but you, you just didn't know it. So we had the ability to do a, a little bit of both on those fronts. But I think the people that we brought in have done nothing but add value to a process that was already growing. Well, that's the interesting thing about Agile, right? It's It really makes a lot of sense if you don't overthink it. If you don't have to read about it and understand the methodology, you just you're doing it, and then you go, "Oh, that's what I've been doing." It's it's kind of this aha moment that it just it makes a lot of sense in terms of of what you're doing to just let it flow. And it sounds like that's the approach you took. So, Jedi mind tricks probably a pretty good way to put it, Julie. <laughs> I would like to have a T-shirt made that says "Agile, don't overthink it." Right. <laughs> Because we do, we had some people that were really, they were really overthinking it and they, they ended up um, crossing over lanes in the agile role model. I was like, guys, come on, hold on. So the analogy that I use was I'm a huge sports fan. So I use a baseball analogy and I was like, you know, if you're a shortstop and you're trying to play first base, you know, if you're playing first, no one's playing shortstop. So if everyone plays their position, this game is going to go really well. And once everyone got, got a, got in that mode, I think the baseball analogy helped. We have a lot of baseball fans in Florida. <laughs> so they all understood and they're like, hey, let's get it moving. Let's play our position. And I, I'm enjoying it and I hope they are too. Well, it's clear that you're enjoying it. So I'm, I'm sure that that excitement <laughs> is contagious. Um, so let's talk a little bit about what you've done. So in the time frame that you, and, and what is this, over a couple of years? Is that about the right runtime? How long have you been making this transition? Actually, one year and three days today. Ooh. Well, how timely is that? <laughs> so talk to me a little bit about some of your successes, some of the products that you've um, put out in this one year and three days that you've got this new methodology in place. So we've had a couple of platforms that we've installed. Um, one, we already had a, a platform called QuickBase. That's really, um, it's a, a very low to no code platform. So we had that in place and we're now starting to ramp up usage of it. Inside of the QuickBase platform, we started building apps. There was an iWash monitoring app that was built in there. And what this basically does is allow end users to go and run audits on the iWash kits that are around the hospital. Uh, Before, that was all a paper process, and they were trying to track it. So when our friends from Joint Commission show up, they were gathering documents. Um, That's now been automated. 
we also um, recently here, we created an app that goes out and tracks mobile devices. So it's a ground control app and it, it goes in and tracks those devices and allows people to know when one hasn't been returned or when one might be out there left in a room somewhere. So they built that on the QuickBase platform as well. We also installed a platform called OutSystems that allows us to go in and develop some very quickly and easily develop some .NET apps. It's very low code. Um, some of the things we built in there, our flagship app, if you want to call it that, has been a clinical quality app that allows us to go in and do some crash cart auditing, another process that was on paper that's now going to be automated. And um, we also are working on some of the ones that we're currently working on are um, we partnered with our, our friends over in Epic and um, during our project. And we built a release management app that allowed us to control content management and how it flowed into the Epic system allowing it to go in and run through a series of algorithms. It checks the type of change that's going in and based on the the elevated risk with the change, if it's normal, integrated, whatever the case may be, it actually goes in and and alerts a different level of approvals that need to go in. If the change is too integrated, it sends it to executive leadership and says, Hey, we need you to buy off on this to make sure that everyone knows it's coming. So those are just a, a couple of the items that we have out there. Our project list currently sits at around, we, we just did an audit on it um, yesterday and we still have something to add, but we're sitting at around 43. Wow. Um, so we're going to, we're going to have a busy year. Well, <laughs> I mean, the, what I'm hearing you uh, as I'm listening to you talk about the, the ways you've made an impact already in this relatively short period of time, because you're building the flight and the plane and make flight, right. As you're going forward in many respects, it, um, it really reinforces how, broad and almost endless the opportunities are for you to make an impact to the efficiencies of the organization by having this agile in-house development SWAT team of sorts who can, you know, build out what's needed in a very customized way, but to integrate with your existing processes and integrate with your existing technologies um, in a way that is is really almost... Um, you know, wide open in terms of, of the types of things you can do and, and the types of impacts you can make to both the, the staff as well as to patients ultimately. Right. Mm-hmm. We actually did have um, one of the things that I left out was we had a time clock outage not long ago. It, uh, it was right after I took over the group. Um, we were, we went in and were able to build a, a replacement time clock in about 12 hours to be able to track that time that people were, may have been missing because they couldn't click the time clock. And I think Baptist was one of, um, you know, I think out of the three or four major hospitals in Jacksonville, Baptist re- recorded the fewest amount of errors in our timekeeping. I think it ended up being somewhere like under 100 for 13, 14,000 employees. Wow. That's impressive. Well, I, I remember during your presentation at the summit, one of the things that was most impactful, at least for me, in your presentation was a concept you called citizen development, which I thought was really interesting. Could you um, explain a little bit about how you use that model to empower the business? Because I think it's a very interesting take on product development. Absolutely. Um, one of the things traditionally, and, and I always talk about my wife because she she's my she's my compass, right? She, she lets me know when I'm out of whack. Um, she often says that she tells me, you know, when you're explaining something to me, you're explaining to me, like, I don't know what I'm talking about. And it makes me feel uncomfortable. And I'm like, I'm not doing it on purpose. So the concept of citizen development is to avoid that because sometimes, um, end users have great ideas and they're like, Hey, I would like to do this. It would be nice if sometimes when they come up with those ideas, they don't have to wait in line because we roadmap six to eight months. So the concept behind system, um, citizen development is to go in and say, Hey, 
we're going to give you the tools to be able to solve some of the problems that you have. And if you can't solve it with the tools that we're giving you, then come and see us and we'll help you. A couple of things it does. It keeps the lines of communication open. It bridges that gap between IS and, and the end users. And it instills trust. If they trust us to be able to do these things for them and be able to deliver on products, it shows them that we trust them by granting them an amount of access to be able to do some of it themselves. And on top of that, if I'm being a little bit selfish, it lets us see those users that are technically savvy that may want to make the switch over to IS. Because one thing that is very, very valuable is someone with clinical expertise and the ability to develop their own products. Because you've got, you're the inside person on what you need. And now you've got the ability to develop exactly what you need to fulfill this, the job that you may be working in currently, or you may have just come out of and you have firsthand knowledge of that position. So it really does open up some doors for our end users and give us some avenues to interact with them. That's really cool. So you're able to, um, are the tools that you're letting them use pretty um, simple is maybe not the right word, but easy to use so that they don't have to be a, a coder to do it. Are they able to just sort of build out what they, what they think they need and try it and play with it and then come to you if they hit any walls? Absolutely. So we started out with the QuickBase platform, which is designed to be a no-code solution. It's really designed to take spreadsheets and turn them into online applications. So that's where it's going to start. But we'll eventually expand as we get more users that want to come into the program and more users that, that want to participate in these types of activities. We'll expand to some of the other items and some of the other options that we have available. And it will truly be a partnership between us and our clinical users saying, hey, we want to make sure we're delivering you products that are giving you value. And we want to make sure that, that you're having not only input and say so, but buy in and going in and being able to help. If you see something that you want to do, we're not going to stop you from doing it. I love that. Well, this has been super interesting and it's just an exciting trend to see. I don't know that a lot of hospitals are doing it. Do you know of any other health systems that are sort of taking a similar approach? Are you pioneering this? Do you think? I don't know of any that are taking the approach. I would assume that there are some out there that are probably doing it, but maybe on a, on a lower level. Um, but I don't know any off the top of my head. I, I can't imagine that we're the only ones pioneering this, though. If we are, we're happy to collaborate and partner with anyone that should sure. share our successes or, or any of our obstacles that we may run into. So any closing thoughts to wrap us up? Actually, um, really, if, if I'm, if I'm talking from my personal experience and from a, um, from a closing thought perspective, I guess if we're talking about kind of how we've been connecting healthcare, I think it's so important to engage and collaborate with, with your end users and with your customer base. And I know it's an, it's hard to say from a healthcare perspective, because when we think healthcare, you know, our customer base are our patients and not many patients want to be in the hospital. So they, they're there because they have to or some, something that has happened that may be a, a low point in their life. So I think collaboration with them and hearing, listening to them, hearing what they have to say is so important. Yes, team members are important as well. And listening to them because they have direct access to those patients. But they, we need to we need to bridge the gap between IS and the the team members and IS and the patients so that we can collect all of those ideas. So if I had a closing thought, it would be um, always listen with an open ear to to your entire customer base, both internal and external. That's a great closing thought, Julian. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's been enlightening to hear about how Baptist Health is streamlining its technology development by doing so much of it in-house. 
I especially appreciate the focus you're putting on collaboration, teamwork, and buy-in from your end users. Um, as many health systems are facing similar challenges or looking for opportunities to enhance the value their technologies bring to their constituents, whether they're in or outside of the hospital. So it's been a, a great chat. Appreciate you joining us and for sharing your expertise with us. Not a problem. Again, thank you for having me. It's been great. Well, and to our audience, thanks for listening and join us next time for more meaningful discussion around best practices in healthcare IT.